Okay, come closer to the mic. Come closer to the mic. <laughs> good. <laughs> yeah, that's all. Yeah, I'm not editing any of that. Out. Okay, that's good. That's, that, that might be kind of gross. That, that might be kind of gross. What would you say is typically British crime? What would you think of when you think about typically British crimes? Arson. Okay, nothing else. Vandalism. Vandalism. Or maybe like... Okay, I can do that. It isn't it, picking up shit. Or maybe shoplifting. Okay, Jesus. But yeah, that's pretty much it. Actually, acid attacks, they don't cross your mind. A new thing, that's like... That's, um... Uh, that's like a 2018 maybe? And 2017 thing? Mike wasn't picking up anything what he was saying. He was saying it was a pretty new crime, so like 2017 and 18, and he ain't wrong about that one. Or is he? Because today we're talking about acid attacks in this minisode. And that is the most light-hearted thing you will hear so far, because this one is grim. It's one of those things that, you know, just lives kind of rent-free in my head, and I feel like I need to know more information on it. So I dug. And what I kind of realized is that the best way to structure these minisodes is in a way that I do a journalism piece, like that I do an article for a magazine, so answering the who, what, when, where, and why. So this minisode is kind of structured in that way. So we'll get the basics on the acid attacks, and then obviously I'm gonna go through from the NHS website what you should do if you are, God forbid, to suffer one. Because a lot of people get that one wrong as well. I'll go through some famous cases here in the UK. So, you know, you'll just be generally knowledgeable a bit more about acid attacks and what to do and what motivates them. After listening to this minisode, did I do my intro? Probably not. Hey, <laughs> I am Maya. This is by all means necessary. And this is a minisode which usually picks up on patterns on different things that live rent-free in my mind. And... This week we are going proper morbid on it. The inspiration behind it, I listened to the one of the recent red-handed episodes on a case of Naomi Oni, definitely would recommend because again a lot of podcasts don't cover acid attacks. And it did answer some of these questions, but then I really wanted to do something that answers like all of the ones that I have in my head about these attacks. So, what are the acid attacks? They sometimes have this posh name of vitriol attack or vitriolage just because in the old times they used to call it that, but it's the form of violent assault, which involves the act of throwing acid or just similarly corrosive substance onto the body or face of another person with the intention to disfigure, maim, torture or kill. Notice how kill is the last one here, so that's sort of the least intended purpose. The most common types of acid used for these effects are sulfuric or nitric acid. Hydrochloric acid is sometimes used, but it's much less damaging and people here really want to damage how you look. That's the whole purpose of it. Now, something that I didn't know and comes in the next line is that the aqueous solutions, so the ones that have strongly alkaline materials and that you use stuff like to scrub the toilet or stuff like caustic soda, because that thing has sodium hydroxide, are used as well. Particularly in the areas where some strong acids are controlled substances. So where the government kind of tied the knots and was like, yeah, you can't actually buy this much of it. Caustic soda is gonna pop up again in this story, weirdly enough. 
as to where, according to researchers, countries associated with acid attacks typically are Bangladesh and India. Those are like the highest, the ones with the highest number of cases. Nepal, Cambodia, Vietnam, Laos, UK, we made it yet again, guys. Kenya, South Africa, Uganda, Pakistan, and Afghanistan. So in a country like Bangladesh, it's nothing new. The country actually reported 3,000 acid attacks victims since 1999. The peak of it was 262 in the year of 2002. And in countries like Bangladesh, the motive is most prominently gender discrimination. So male to female ratio is 0.15 towards 1. Another report reports that 82% of acid attack survivors in Bangladesh are women. In India, again, we have the gendered aspect of these attacks. And although Bangladesh is one, I think is the only country from where I've read where the reported cases are dropping, India is not. In India, it's been increasing in the past decade. And the cause is usually rejected proposals, rejected like marriage advances, and just in general violence against women and girls. I feel the general motto of this episode is that fucking telenovela moment. In every telenovela, you would have this moment where it would be like, if I can't have you, no one else will. And you're like, wow, that's super dramatic. I see the text of the real life version of that. And it's like, you know, when you watch telenovelas, they're like, oh my god, this is the most jokingly moment. In real life, if somebody tells you that, get a restraining order. I'd say get a restraining order against them, against everybody, all of their friends, all of their family, all of their associates on Craigslist and shit, because... It's not, it's in most cases, probably not going to go well. Just tell you what kind of a problem this is. Globally, there's about 1,500 acid attacks every year. So that's kind of like an average, so it can be more than that. And why it's an average? Well, because it also goes unreported a lot of times. Because again, the countries where acid attacks are prevalent are also prevalently poor. So the main takeaway from this episode should be that acid is relatively cheap, in any form, as it's usually cleaning products that you can buy and that can do the damage that you want. Whereas a lot of poor countries and like poverty-stricken ones don't actually have access to clear, clean water, which you would use as the first aid in these attacks. Now, if we come to the UK, UK and in general London is kind of the epicenter of the acid attacks in Europe. It's like employment rates, decrease in obesity, nope, Mm, acid attacks are where we are thriving. So according to London Met stats, they were on the rise recently. So in 2014, there were 166 attacks. And just two years from then, there were 454. 2017 was actually the worst for the acid attacks in London. And there was 465 attacks recorded. So all of these would be recorded as the assault by corrosive substance when admitted to the hospital. Some of the boroughs with the most reported attacks are Newham. Newham is always the worst on the list. Second place is usually Barking and Dagenham, then Tower Hamlets, Hackney and Redbridge. And when I read this, I live really, really close to one of those boroughs and I'm slightly shitting myself, not gonna lie to you. Especially when I don't walk on the high street, but doesn't matter what street you walk on. As you're gonna realize also, I'm a woman, so there are just a lot more chances of me being the victim of the acid attack. Now on to the WHO. And according to London-based charity Acid Survivors Trust International, or ASTI, 80% of acid attacks are on women. And in most regions, assaults perpetrated on the females by males are often driven by that mentality of if I can't have you, no one shall. 
So if you are in the UK, you are most probably familiar with the case of Katie Piper. That's the most famous case of an acid attack victim here for a couple of reasons. One is that she was already in the media, she was already a famous person when she was attacked, and the other one is that a pioneer surgery was performed on her to restore her face. So briefly, what happened to Katie is she met this guy online, they then met at a bar, so they met at a public place, started dating, but soon he turned violent because she just wanted to get out of there, she wasn't feeling it. So on one of the occasions they met, he raped her and beat her. She even ended up in the hospital, but didn't report him because she was scared of him. And then he became the super obsessive domestic abuser, like the typical one, when like he calls, apologizes, everything is gonna be nice, and he's just harassing her even more. So on March 31st, 2008, Lynch convinced Piper to go to this internet cafe to read the email that he sent to her Facebook account. And he gave details to Stefan Silvestre, who was like his mate and co-conspirator, of how she looked and where this place was on the Golders Green Road, so wearing a hoodie, Sylvester approached Piper, who thought, you know, she might be a homeless person asking for money, and then he threw sulfuric acid at her face. She was then submerged to the pioneering surgery at the time to restore her face, done by Muhammad Ali Jawad. They didn't read much into this, mostly because actually Jawad has been in the news recently and I just, it just seems like it can be its own true crime case. It's some molestation charges. So they don't want to like read into it and then be like, oh my god, this guy is like so amazing. Because clearly he is amazing to Katie because he just basically restored her face. However, I didn't want to be like, yeah, praise him while he might be a perp himself as well. But from the brief outline from the Red Handed podcast, what they do is they use different meaty parts of your body, for the lack of better expression, to replace the skin on your face. And again, depending on the acid that was used and depending on the damage that is done, you might actually lose your eyesight as well. It might be recovered, but it might never come back. And then just briefly, the case of Naomi Oni that you can listen to full episode, full cover of the case on the Red Handed podcast. That's the one where it happened in the middle of the night. A lot of these in terms of when do they happen, don't have like a particular timeline. It's like, oh, it happens between 9 and 10 p.m. or some shit. People usually are like under hoodies or trying to disguise their identity. That's mainly because of CCTV, because it's still well happening to date. However, it can easily happen during the day. So it's not just like it's a typical night crime. In the case of Naomi, it was also somebody that she knew, so it was, again, some, like, jealous friend. And they could connect it to her because of the purchase, and because, again, this kind of thing leaves evidence in your bags, leaves evidence on you, technically. Because people can track receipts today, they can track traces of what has been in your bag. Just, again, thinking about motive, that's the one thing where, thinking about, like, acid attacks compared to, I don't know, murders, vandalism, aggression, assault, this is a very short-lived crime, so, you know, personally, when I think about acid attacks, I think of somebody with, like, mental health issues, that particular possessive mentality, domestic abuser mentality, because there's a lot of premeditation, there's a lot of times when you can stop yourself, like, at the purchasing level, at the level of pouring it somewhere, you know, where you can easily then dispose of it in someone's face, of actually doing it and then getting off on what the victim is going through. It's just people that truly need to, to be looked at, like truly need some therapy. 
Luckily, in Naomi's case, she was really close to home and she lived with an aunt who knew exactly what needs to be done. So she ran home, the aunt like submerged her into just cold, clear water and was just pouring it all over the face, all over the burns and used nothing else. It was just clearing her face with the clear water. When it comes to victims, it is usually, as I mentioned, females. And I found this interesting in one of the sources, when in a lot of the sources, because I was looking at, you know, because, you know, for me, before I dived into this, when I thought of acid attacks, I was like, okay, I thought these were more random, but apparently not. They are a lot more personal than you can also think. They can be personal, but when they're random, the targets are people riding mopeds. So Deliveroo even had to issue a statement at the peak of this, like in 2017, to its drivers to be careful, you know, wear balaclavas if they can, like protect their face as well. Because if they are random in the rare cases where they are, random, it can be just somebody swinging acid from their car or just passing you by on a bike and just wanting to do some damage to your face. And in terms of perps, well, the London Borough Hackney actually, they gave a statement when there was a peak in this, so 2016-17, and they said that the acid throwing has been adopted by urban street gangs in a way that they haven't seen them adopt anything in a really long time. And in this particular case, it is usually young men on young men, so the victims and the suspects are in large number males. So in the summary of who... If it is personal, the victim will most usually be a female, and if it is random and gang-related, it's usually a male-on-male crime. As for when, I couldn't find like any stats on what time of day or anything, so here's a bit of a history lesson. So remember how I said they were called vitriol attacks, because of course it's a French word that I can't pronounce. So yeah, the term that was coined was la vitrioles. And it was coined because in 1879, 16 cases of vitriol attacks were reported as the crimes of passion that were perpetrated by women against other women. Jealousy will be the end of us, I tell you, listen. <laughs> Even as early as 1915, these kind of attacks would make the news because the destroyed mistress of a prince, Leopold Clement, threw acid into his face and then killed herself. And this is why sensationalizing these kind of incidents would make for lucrative newspaper sales, even to this date. The first attacks in Bangladesh, again proving that this is nothing new back there, happened in 1967, in India in 1982, and Cambodia in 1993. And since then, if anything is recorded, it's the intensified increase in quantity and severity of acid attacks. But again, why it's so hard to find stats, to research on this, and to just actually make any conclusions on it is that it would go underreported in so many countries and there was like a whole last decade between 1980s and 1990s where there was the general lack of research of the phenomenon during the period of time. Going on to the why, which is obviously my favorite. Hey, this is why this whole podcast exists. Acid throwing is the way to show dominance, power, control, to build enormous fear among any peer groups in that area once it happens. And gang members know this, so why it's prevalent within gang crime is that using acid has an advantage when trying to hurt someone rather than a knife because the charges are more serious if you're caught with a weapon or a knife and the tariff for prison sentences is much higher. So acid is likely to attract great bodily harm with the 10 charge while using a knife is more likely to lead to the attacker being charged with attempted murder. As I mentioned before, yes, it is still easy to track something if you bought acid in your name. 
if there are any traces in the bag where you carried it or like on the hood that you carried it, the CCTV footage, however, it's still a lot easier to dispose of the evidence in the cases of acid attacks, whereas where you use a knife, if it's a bloody attack, like the DNA bump be passed over from a person to a person, you leave fingerprints. It's just essentially a lot harder to dispose of that type of evidence. The most common reasons for attacks are refusal of marriage, denial of sex, and the sexual rejection. It's usually the expression of control over women's and girls' bodies, and it can be used again when girls are trying to escape forced marriage. Perhaps usually have some personal beef with you, so who will most probably be the perpetrator is disgruntled lover as like number one spot. A family member as well. In a lot of these South Asian families where honor killings are still a norm, it can still be a family member. Not to say it's not the case in Western world, but yeah, it can be a family member or a business partner. If you go down the rapid hole of acid attacks, you can find like some really sad ones. And some really bizarre ones. When I'm talking about the sad one, one of the most famous ones is Mark Van Dangen's face, who was a young engineer in Bristol. And he was left so disfigured and just paralyzed and in so much pain that he decided to actually go to Belgium, go to euthanasia clinic to end his own life. That one was the typical, if I can't have you, no one can. And it was the jilted lover that threw the acid into his face. But then there's a really bizarre one. And you might have heard of this one. It's the one when Arthur Collins threw acid in a nightclub, injured 22 people and left 16 with some serious burns. And in this one, I just truly don't understand this fucking acid attack or the punishment for it. Because he said he thought the liquid was a date rape drug. And he planned to spike girls' drink with it. Okay, I know I'm super dumb. And I'm sorry that I don't actually know how day trade drugs look here. But I, I mean, I kind of think he is dumber one here. I always thought day trade drugs are in form of actual pills that you crush into someone's drink. Apparently not. But even then, I'm sorry, so what, you just so want to sprinkle a lot of girls so what so that they then approach you and offer themselves to you. How did you think this works, this swinging of a date rape drug over people in a club, if you actually thought this was date rape drug? Oh, my days. Obviously, this was proven to be just a bullshit story because they found his messages to his sister to tell the mom to mind that little hand wash in his car because it's acid. This is why I say people like this are dangerous, because they don't care about like who they endanger. It can be a family member that can get burned by acid accidentally. Or a loved one. It's just that's why I just find them so dangerous as humans. And again, in this case, like in every other one that I mentioned, the primary motive is not to kill, but it's to leave the mark on the opponent. And that's why the face is usually often the target. So far, we have the intent. We have why it's easier to dispose of a bottle of acid versus anything else. But it's also easier to get a hold of it than getting a hold of a gun, for example, or a knife that can be tied to you again. And here is where I've said, like, caustic soda is gonna come into the play again. Just because, again, I need a light story. As light as it can get talking about acid attacks. And basically, like, our drain was kind of clogged and just the water wouldn't, like, sink. The water just wouldn't go as freely as it would. So I asked my landlord, like, hey, do you know, like, of anything? Because, again, I don't know acids. I don't know cleaning products. I feel, feel shit. So I was like, hey, what do you use in these cases? 
he like had to spell it out because I was like, I've never heard about this. And I didn't Google it either. I didn't know like until actually researching now that this is actually corrosive. Because again, I don't use gloves in when cleaning and scrubbing and doing weird shit. Luckily you pour this down the drain, but yeah, but from now on I'll probably use gloves to do that as well. So I go to buy caustic soda. They didn't look at me weirdly, they didn't do nothing. Like I bought like proper like two free bottles. <laughs> And I expected, I don't know why, but I expected for me, like, for somebody to ask me for the ID, because I still knew it's used to unclog the drains. People don't. They just sell it to you. The same with, like, other cleaning products. And that's one thing that should definitely change. Like, if you ask me, seeing all of my fucking wrinkles for the ID when I go buy cider, which can't technically even get me wasted, then just ask me for the ID when I'm buying this. You know, maybe check my mental health history to see if I'm actually buying it for this purpose. Because also I can bet if somebody is actually going to go for the acid attacks because of the impulsivity of the attacks, they wouldn't actually even be able to lie on the spot. They'd be like, um, yep, so this is used for, um, you know, cleaning like a tub or something. This is when you can catch those fuckers. Also, nobody needs, like, tubs and tubs of this kind of substance. So again, ask for the age and limit the amount of bottles a person can buy of some cleaning liquid. Just in general, like, how many crime cases where people would buy bleach or anything, just in general, even to clean up the crime scene, and you'd catch them later after the police is reviewing CCTV and, you know, just the clerk or anybody is just like, yep, you know, four gallons of bleach, seems legit, yep, just scan it through, you pay and you pass. No, what are they buying this amount of bleach for? Limit the amount of bleach somebody can buy. Nobody in the right sense of mind is buying like gallons and gallons of cleaning liquid for just what? Cleaning the toilet? Why are you supplying yourself for like a year supply? This kind of shit pisses me off because it's a lot easier to regulate than you might think. In most cases, it's not some special essay that, you know, you do some Breaking Bad style where you make it in a lab. It's usually just like, yep, it's something you use to clean. Okay, cool. That was sideline. I went off topic. Great. Now, what to do in case of the acid attack? The best course of action is to clean the affected area under running water for a long time and not to apply any creams, any oils, don't use anything but water. That's the most common mistake people make. So after you call 999 to prevent from severe injuries from a chemical burn, try to remove any contaminated clothing. So if you have any clothing, if it got onto your body, but be careful to like remove it with something, so like with scissors or like ripping it off and not trying to spread the acid because that's equally damaging. So you possibly cut away any clothing, any shirts, rather than like pulling it over your head. Don't pull over your head. And again, as logical as it seems to wipe the skin, don't wipe it because you can contaminate it. This is from the NHS website, I'm not pulling this out of my ass. And stay on the phone with the 999 operator because they might be able to offer you advice. So, you know, try to use water on the affected area without pulling on the skin and like without potentially spreading it to the wider area. So just use it on the affected area. So what is done with regards to this? The summary of it would be really little. This part pissed me off. If anything, we should be looking to harshen the sentences the way people in South Asia, like for example in Pakistan, are doing. So in Pakistan, the Acid Crime Prevention Bill has passed in 2011 and the punishment is life in prison. 
The same applies to Bangladesh, and this is the country where the specific effective legislation led to the drop of like 20 to 30 percent in acid violence in the past few years. In countries like India, it's not dropping because for the acid attacks, you can get not less than 10 years, which can extend to life imprisonment and with a fine. But again, when you know you can get maybe 10 years, maybe even less, you're not deterred enough not to commit something like this. Ah, now onto the UK. UK is gonna kill me. It's like how they're handling COVID. That's, that's kind of like the level how they're handling these acid attacks. And again, personal opinion, but I think why they're handling it this way is because it's happening in the poorer parts of town. So East, in general, is a lot poorer than the West. If this was happening in Westminster, man, if this was happening near Buckingham Palace, you'd see how the law, the bill would be passed that same day. Also, I woke up on that note. I woke up today and the Queen is dead was trending on Twitter again. I swear people here in the UK kill off the Queen like 20 times a year for no reason. It's like completely fake news and they just allow it to be trending. So, UK. Retailers are voluntarily stopping the sale of acids to under 18-year-olds. Voluntarily. Voluntarily. Again, this issue is to physical stores, but what about online then? This is much harder to police. You can go on Amazon and get yourself a kill kit. Then there was this Offensive Weapons Act of 2019, which banned the sale of corrosive substances to under-18s and gave police extra powers to stop and search those suspected of carrying acid. Now, when I'm reading this, I'm like, what do you mean those suspected of carrying acid? How do you suspect that somebody is carrying acid? When it's a gun or something, it's like in a holster, like you suspect they're carrying it in a pocket just because of the bulge or something like this. But how do you suspect somebody's carrying acid? How does that give you the basis to search that person? And then again, I think this was also last year, November last year. You can just notice when this is happening in 2019, after what, six, seven years of hundreds of people being attacked. It became a criminal offense for the public to possess sulfuric acid, above 15% concentration without a license. Offenders would face two-year prison sentence and unlimited fines. I swear you get more if they catch you carrying weed. I swear I didn't check that, but I can swear. Also, unlimited fines. This is not regulated. This cannot be joked with. Okay, for me, personally, again, if you know the effects of the crime, if you know that, like, they're getting third-degree burns, whatever it is, the victim is gonna need to get therapy, they're gonna have years and years until the rest of their life of just suffering, having PTSD about this attack. So if we know and can specify the exact effects, why can we not specify the exact punishment? Why can we not regulate this? Again, it's not a new crime. As I mentioned, it's been happening since 1900s, since early 1900s, but it has picked up in the last decade. I don't see people out there committing murder and then, like, that punishment not being regulated. This is as if it's like, oh, for murder, well, you can get anything from, like, two months to a fine, you can be bailed out, you can get a life in prison. It's kind of like, you know... it just matters, like, which police officer gets you in the act or, like, which judge gets you in the act. Imagine if we were dyslexed about something like this. So, in summary, what is really needed is more education and support, plus a regulation on sentences. There are different foundations. There's Katie Piper Foundation, Saving Faces Foundation. There's Action Aid for the South Asian communities, where you can also donate and, like, educate yourself and read on this. But I find this honestly to be a problem. 
just the fact that I wouldn't even have known until listening to the podcast and then researching this myself of like what would I do in the case of acid attack because my probably the most logical conclusion would be put cream on it to soothe it because it would burn it like would burn your face off you want to put something cold that soothes it but apparently not again and that's exactly it and not just that Katie Piper's attacker got out after nine years even though he was technically supposed to get life in prison. So now victims need to live with this, not just the trauma of the attack, dealing with their mental health after this, just trying to continue with their life. But now they have to worry that the person who at first even threatened them, that if they can't have them, nobody else will, is now on the streets. What guarantees those victims that that person suddenly changed their mindset and now suddenly they don't care about doing the same thing again or like going after them again? Also, I feel like I need to mention this, but if you listen to any of these cases, the tabloids will obviously piss you off. And I didn't even want to mention this, but the motive behind what the tabloids would say, the motive behind these attacks are, is usually to get fame. Yeah, because there are no easier ways to get fame than to, like, traumatize yourself for a lifetime. I had to mention this because it just made me so angry when I read this. Because if we are of that thinking, then we are just steps away, just f- going further away for trying to regulate this, trying to make these sentences tougher for the victims to move on with their life and to get the support that they can get and for these perpetrators to get the sentence that they need to get and that they actually deserve for these kind of attacks. Until there's a regulation on sales and the alignment on sentencing, there will be no significant decrease in acid attacks. The silver lining of this story is that there are more resources and there's more education than there was 10 years ago. The victims are showing that their resilience and recovery will always be a stronger inspiration to the public than any motivation behind an attack could be. That's where I'm leaving you, yes. To support this podcast, you can follow me at that Pod on Twitter, Instagram, and Patreon. You can subscribe to the BAM Podcast YouTube channel and get the merch on Redbubble and Teespring. Until the next one, stay safe and keep making the world a better place.